Welcome to the Sozo Sessions podcast. My name is Amanda Lee, and this podcast is a place for all things healing. I know better than anyone that the healing journey can make you feel very alone, confused, and overwhelmed. So I've gathered my best tools possible and bringing the best guests on to interview about all things healing from a spiritual, emotional, and physical standpoint. I want you to finally feel at home in your body so you can forget about the things that are plaguing you and finally live your best life and do your God-given mission. So get cozy, grab something warm to drink, and let's dive into the Sozo Sessions. Hello! Happy Wednesday! I'm back! Episode 2 of the Sozo Sessions, and today we're going to talk about those little suckers, parasites. And um, I kind of wanted to do this next session on this because there was a lot of questions a lot of you had on Instagram about the things I was posting about the liver flukes and from episode one, and I kind of wanted to dive into it a little more. Plus, I've been seeing there's just this conflict like with anything in the natural health world or any health I guess about misinformation and somebody saying don't worry about parasites they're no big deal and other people saying parasites are your only problem they're the root cause of your problem and these extreme views on either side and I kind of want to address that um, because my goal for you guys really on this podcast and what I do is to really educate you so you can be your own health advocate because the truth is nobody knows your body better than you right and so when you spend all this money to work with practitioners and there's some great ones out there um there's some not great ones out there but when you spend all this money to do all this testing and find out all this information a lot of the times you know you just become reliant on this person and trusting them to tell you what you should do and what you shouldn't do And I'm not saying you can't trust people, but I am saying the more information you know, the better you can curate it and really make decisions on what you need to do for yourself, for your personal body. And um, the thing is, is that I think like most things, the truth is found somewhere in the middle. I don't think parasites are the root cause of every single health issue. I think There are reasons why your body is in a position to be hospitable to these critters in the first place. And that probably has to do with, you know, mold. It has to do with heavy metals. It has to do with toxicity as a whole. Because we do have a toxicity problem um, in the world right now where we're just surrounded by it. So when you have that kind of environment, parasites love that. They feed off of it. They feed off of excess iron. They feed off of excess heavy metals. They feed off of viruses and all these things that we can have harboring in our body. And, um, you know, these are things I talk about all the time in my balance program as root causes. We talk about iron. We talk about mercury. We talk about heavy metals. We talk about minerals, all those things. So I think that there's always those things underlying that we need to address. But the issue is, if you try to go after those things first without addressing the parasites that have most likely taken up habitat in your body, if you are a conductor of all these things in your gut, when you start to do any sort of um, killing off or removal of toxins, pathogens, protocols, heavy metals, without addressing the parasites, you're going to get 
to the point where you actually feel worse and not better. And the reason why is because parasites actually hold up to six times their weight of mold, heavy metals, um, lime, bacteria, candida, etc. Okay, and they hold them. And so what happens is if you don't do parasites first and you skip right to addressing those other root causes, um, your body will start to you know, be in this chronic cycle because the parasites will keep gathering them up and then releasing them as you're trying to detox and move things. And it can really make you just get in the cycle of feeling unwell. So, you know, there is the thing about people doing all the right things, but doing them in the wrong order. Okay. And this can keep you sick. Um, so we need to do things in the right order when addressing them. So, um, before I dive into the right order and what that is, I do want to talk with you guys just about parasites in general and why um, we need, you know, I just kind of explained to them why you need to address them before, you know, diving into any sort of protocols to, to handle those bigger things that are going in the body. Um, we have to address them first to why somebody might be going through protocol after protocol you know, trying to get rid of their H. pylori, trying to get rid of, um, you know, their their mold, trying to get rid of their toxins, uh, their heavy metals, and never getting better. And, you know, my whole thing is always if what you're doing isn't working, you have to try something else. And I do think that addressing parasites in the beginning is really important because or else you're going to have to go back and readdress them later and you're going to feel worse. So, um, you know, a lot of people will say, well, I did a GI map, I did a test and I don't have any parasites. So, you know, just because your GI map um, was negative or Genova or any other of those stool tests that you've done, it doesn't mean you don't have them. And anybody that has used that as their main way of saying, like, listen, you don't have any parasites, is just probably not as familiar with the nature of parasites or the accuracy of stool testing for them. So, you know, um, I was trained in the GI map, of course, to always address parasites first. They respond best to treatment and, you know, they can impact how the rest of the protocols will go. But I wasn't really trained to know that parasites might not show up on the GI map. And... You know, here's the thing. If you're having symptoms that are unexplainable, like constipation, diarrhea, gas, um, you know, rashes, hives, IBS sort of issues, eczema, acne, uh, fatigue that you can't explain, depression, um, anxiety and cyclical type of things and, and like issues with iron and anemia. If you've got like that itchy anus that happens throughout the month, this is for your children too, BT dubs. Um, you've got an itchy vagina, uh, throughout the month. You've got teeth grinding going on, you know, bedwetting for children or frequent urination where they can't you know, seem to get it out. It feels like they have to pee, but they don't, or they let a little bit out into their, undies and they just can't seem to make it to the toilet. These are all signs of parasites. But, you know, your stool test can still be negative. And so you can just get that information like, okay, you don't have any. But the truth is, is that they are not likely going to be detected um, on a stool test and they can be false negatives. And there's many different ways you can pick up parasites. 
And it doesn't just mean you have to be traveling outside the country. Now, obviously for me in episode one, P.S. if you haven't listened to that, you should go back and listen. Um, I talked about the times I've been out of the country and had parasite issues. But, you know, the cryptosoporidium one was within the United States. I didn't go anywhere uh, or anything. And you can pick them up like on your feet, just walking around. If you've got pets, okay, your pets are carrying parasites and worms and, you know, deworming your dog is a thing, but we don't think that we need to do it as humans. And, you know, your vegetables can be carrying them. The water you're drinking can be carrying them. And um, a big source of it that I've come to found out, especially for liver flukes, is sushi. So (laughs) if you've ever eaten sushi, ceviche, any sort of raw fish situation, uh, yeah, you should really think about diving into this, especially the liver fluke issue, um, because they're prevalent in fish, uh, especially raw fish. And I don't even think you need to be eating crappy fish from a third world country. I'm talking your sushi joint down the road could be harboring these pathogens in the fish. And it doesn't mean you're going to get sick from it or feel anything, but the parasites can sure get in there and liver flukes are drastically connected to sushi. So I'm going to post some different studies and stuff for you guys in the show notes. So you can go click and read some of the stuff for yourself. Because again, you shouldn't just use me as your source of information. I'm not your health guru. I am just an educator and I want you guys to be able to understand this stuff and empower yourself to make these decisions. So uh, we've kind of cleared up the fact that Um, Just because you've had a stool test doesn't mean that parasites, uh, you know, if it was negative, doesn't mean that you don't have them. And also we've kind of discovered that there's many ways you can get them even just in your home, okay, in your regular life. The other thing to think about is children, okay? Children are disease carriers. They, They carry diseases. And more than likely your child has come into contact with pinworms. Okay, pinworms are very common. It's actually more common than lice, although nobody talks about them. First time I ever heard about them, my daughter was in preschool and we got a note coming home saying somebody in the class had it. And before you knew it, the whole school was freaking infested. And, you know, a lot of parents didn't know what to look for and they didn't know when their child was complaining about an itchy anus or not even if their child was complaining of an itchy anus, if there was a red ring around their anus or they have dark circles under their eyes. These are all indicators that parasites are in your kids. And the thing about kids is they don't care. They will scratch their bum and then play with their friend and eat a muffin. They don't care and they don't understand how these things are passed. So they can be passed by touching. So if your child's in a preschool environment, or even regular school, it's more than likely they've come in contact with them. Um, The other thing is, once pinworms are in your home, they're very hard to get rid of, even if you treat everybody in the family, because of the egg situation, of the cycle of life of the worm and the eggs that are being released into the air. So that's the problem, is you can inhale parasite eggs just from breathing air in a room that has them in it, or you know, jumping on a bed, or going to someone's home that has them. And a lot of people don't understand that. They just think, if I take the, you know, the pinworm meds, I'm good. And it's just not the case, because your body's going to actually, the worms are going to deposit the eggs in between the time when they die. So you might get that round of worms gone that have, are adult but you're not going to take care of the eggs so 
what can we do? (laughs) First of all, we need to address this stuff. We can't just ignore them and think no big deal. Okay, parasites rob you from your nutrients. They suck up nutrients like minerals, zinc, copper, iron, all the things that your body needs to run off of in the mitochondria. It uses them up. It also, like I said, holds six times its weight in mold and fungal infections and heavy metals. So if you have any of that going on, you know, the parasites are just having a party and and really getting bigger and stronger by feeding off of these things that are in your body. So it's a recipe to kind of keep you in a chronic illness. Um, They impact sleep. If you have children who do not want to go to sleep, cannot fall asleep, wake up in the middle of the night, uh, very high energy when they should be sleeping, especially around the full moon. And I'll talk about why that matters in a minute then parasites should be looked to um, as an issue. So, you know, these things are prevalent. They're not just like no big deal. So some more signs that you might have parasite issues, if you've got constipation or diarrhea, it's unexplained. Um, You get gas or bloating, IBS symptoms, never feeling full after eating if you're just chronically hungry. And kids can have that too. And some people put that off like, oh, my kid's just hungry all the time. And there are kids who are hungry all the time and growing. But if they're constantly craving sugary, carby foods and they're constantly hungry and their their body's probably just using up all their nutrients to feed their freaking parasites, okay? Um, unexplained skin issues. Skin issues. Those can be seen on kids as well as adults like rashes, hives, rosacea, eczema, uh, you know, the chicken skin that's on the back of the arms. These are all signs that something's up. Um, I already mentioned trouble falling asleep, waking up multiple times during the night. Those are signs that the worms are you know, happy and thriving, uh, itchy anus or vagina, I already mentioned that, reoccurring yeast infections, fatigue, depression, joint and muscle pain, and then, you know, during the full moon, things can get worse. Um, so 90% of the time, those parasites are going to be present and not test positive, and, um, you know, <sighs> There was a study that was released about two years ago where scientists were looking at 40 different species of parasites that they hadn't studied before and found over 1 million new genes that they weren't aware of. So if they're not aware of these genes uh, or that these DNA exists, then there's no way we would know to test for them. So those parasites are going to be missed on the GI map, even though it's a DNA-based stool test. And the reason why the full moon is a prime time for parasites to get busy is because we produce less melatonin and more serotonin at that time. And parasites are way more active with a higher production of serotonin um, and less melatonin. So they come out and after the full moon and they eat up your, your serotonin. This is another reason why it impacts mental health. And yeah, you begin to have issues. So um, I think that during the full moon is a great time to address parasites. Um, and, you know, they, they want to reproduce and communicate with each other and they want to um, use serotonin to kind of make them stronger. And, you know, they create biofilms within the gut where they can easily hide and keep your immune system from getting rid of them. If you've ever seen a video of a biofilm inside a gut, <laughs> it's disgusting, especially when there's worms and parasites behind it. It's like this 
I don't even want to tell you. You can look it up if you want. But um, listen, I believe God created this earth and the, the moon is an innate rhythm that we have that helps us regulate our bodies. It controls our hormone production. It impacts our pituitary gland to ovulate and release eggs. And during the full moon, the rhythm and the cycle of the earth's atmosphere affects our body's circadian rhythm. And it does impact our serotonin and melatonin. And that's probably another reason why sleep can suck during that time. So I think it's a great time to address them. Is it the only time you need to address them? No. Um, You can address them at other times too. But I think that, you know, during the full moon is an opportune time. And something you could do periodically, uh, you know, once a quarter at least just because it's something that you kind of need to be on top of because we're always going to be in contact with other parasites. So, um, yeah, I think that uh, addressing these is kind of like a no-brainer and something that everybody needs to do, especially if you're having unexplained health issues. And, um, you know, as far as the liver flukes go, those are going to be things like gallbladder and bile duct issues. There's going to be things like not being able to digest fat, having issues with estrogen detox, um, allergies, histamine issues, uh, all of those things that can come from livers being congested, headaches, um, any of that stuff. And Uh, All the things that the liver does, weight loss specifically because of how the liver processes carbohydrates, um, those are all things that, you know, you can figure out whether or not you may be having some of these things. But in my situation, I didn't know about liver flukes until I started trying to open my drainage pathways and then they came out and I was like, what the heck is this? So I had to look into it and do some research. And, you know, if you look up anything about liver flukes, they kind of say like, oh, this is mostly prevalent in far off countries on the East who eat a lot of raw fish. It's not really a big deal for Americans. You guys, everybody that I have looked into who has been doing these type of protocols is passing freaking liver flukes. Like they're very common and probably the biggest thing you're going to actually see in your stool. Um, I also got a question about that. Like, are they like just floating at the top of the toilet or like, what's the deal? No, you guys, you got to dig through your poop to find them. And I use a good old chopstick and I haven't done this every day since I've been doing my drainage stuff. I only did it like the first day, the third day, and then I did it again like a couple days uh, ago. And, um, you know, the looser your stools are, obviously the easier it is to see things in them. When they're really tight and compact, it's really hard to pull them apart more. But, you know, when you're doing drainage work, sometimes your stools are a little looser. I'm not talking about diarrhea, but uh, loose enough that you can like totally look through and see, you know, what's going on. So, um you have to pull them out and put them on toilet paper. That's what I do to be able to take those pictures. Um, so yeah, I would say that just because you, um, don't see them right away doesn't mean that they're not there and you do need to kind of look through your, your poop and find them. So again, this is to reiterate, even if you think, listen, I haven't traveled out the country. I'm a clean person. I probably don't have parasites. (laughs) I just want you to know that they are really sneaky. They really can be from anywhere, water, food, pet, soil, other people, surfaces you may touch, um, you know, sushi, raw food, including fruits and vegetables can be tainted with them. And 
waters, water, lakes, streams, pools, swimming, anywhere, walking barefoot in the grass, even when you're grounding. And, you know, your shoes, um, bringing in like dirt from outside. If you walk around your home with shoes on, they can carry ascaris, hookworm, whipworm, all those type of things. So, um, and, you know, like I mentioned about pets, uh, parasite eggs can stick in their fur without you knowing them. And, you know, their, their stool can be full of them. And then, you know, if they're licking things and all sorts of stuff. So, yeah. And I already talked about the airborne pinworms. Um, and also, fun fact, pinworms can stick to toilet seats and can contaminate other objects in the restroom. So make sure you use those little paper things when you go to a public restroom. Um, and obviously washing your hands, uh, is huge, but you know, kids are gross. And, um, I'm actually going to link a study in the show notes about a correlation between children with parasites and teeth grinding. Um, so something to kind of look into for your kids. So, um, all right, let's talk about an order of events here. We, we've understood that parasites are most likely a problem for you. If you have a pulse, you've probably come in contact with them. If you've never done any sort of parasite cleansing, you probably have some things to address. And listen, if you're having unexplained health issues, guys, and you've tried everything and you've not really done a parasite cleanse and you looked at your stool and you thought, okay, or your GI map, and you're like, I'm fine. I really think you need to look into this because honestly, there's nothing harmful about opening the drainage pathways, which is the first step, and addressing the gut and trying to clean some of this stuff out, okay? Um, you're not going to kill off all your good microbes. You can still have a hospitable environment for your gut, and it's not something you do for a long period of time. The full moon protocol is actually only over three days, three days, five days of the full moon. So it's not something you're doing all the time throughout the entire month. It's periodically. Um, and I think it's important to address. Another thing is if you've got uncontrollable sugar cravings, like I mentioned, you know, um, yeast mold and parasites all feed off of sugar. This is how they best survive. So they're going to send chemical messengers to your brain to tell you to eat more sugar. So some of this isn't just your fault. Um, you know, like if you've got uh, overeating issues or just a desire for sugar all the time, you want to know that your gut is probably driving some of the show and um, it's time for you to address some of these things as underlying issues. Um, so uh, the other thing that parasites can do is slow down your bowel motility to keep you from pooping. Okay. And the reason why this is because they don't want to be evicted and they know that you pooping is probably a sign of getting rid of them. And so, um, they really don't want to get the bowels moving. And if you're struggling going on to the bathroom once a day, if that, there's a lot of potential variables, um, that could be impacting that, but parasites will intentionally slow down your bowels because they don't want to leave your body. They actually send chemical messengers to slow down your bowel motility and block some of the valves in your gut. And like I mentioned already about the liver flukes, they can block the bile ducts. So um, if you have a constipation issue, addressing parasites will help you kind of break through that wall. Um, and it can really be a game changer. Also, parasites can be passed through mosquito bites, flea bites, tick bites, 
you know, we know Lyme disease obviously can come through ticks, but they can also come through mosquitoes. Um, and uh, mosquitoes can harbor a parasite that harbors Lyme, causing bacteria to come into the body. And once the parasite is passed from mosquito to human, through a mosquito bite, it can release the bacteria later and result in Lyme disease in this human. So it, you don't have to just be bit by a tick to have some of these issues. And, you know, you don't have to just go to the third world country to have parasites. Um, so, you know, and some of you who are in like a mainstream medicine, they're like, well, what about a colonoscopy? You know, I've had so many clients come to me and said they've done different testing and they couldn't find anything. And a colonoscopy isn't really going to detect or clear out parasites from your intestines. Um, and, you know, it's mostly just going to look at the large intestine and many parasites are in the small intestine. And, you know, even if parasites are present, if you go in there and look sometimes, like I mentioned about the biofilm, but also they can hide behind the folds of your gut wall. So also, you know what? Parasites are not only in your gut. I've already told you about the liver flukes, which hide in the liver and the bile ducts, but they can also move through the fascia of the skin and the brain. Um, so they can be in many different places, um, and can come in through different ways. They can invade your other organs and tissues. And, uh, so, you know, when you pass a parasite, you might see it come out in your stool, but that doesn't mean that's where it was from. Just like the liver flukes who are probably the most prevalent that you're going to see when you begin to open your drainage pathways. So, um, something to consider. So I'm going to talk about a few specific different parasites and then we'll talk about, you know, really how to go about doing this in the right order um, to address them. So um, there is one that's called strongyloides, strongyloides. I don't know how to say it that well. Strongyloides. I think that's what it is. And um, I would say this is probably one of the one that's really overlooked. Um, there's a lot of information about it out there. If you type it in, you can find some videos on it. Uh, the, the deadly disease you're not aware of. The CDC has some general information about it. Um, and it's basically... Uh, f- there's 40 different species of them. It's basically a nematode or a roundworm uh, that can get in through the skin. And um, Strongyloides seracoralis is the primary species that you know impacts humans. Um, it can also impact dogs and cats, um, etc. But they are very difficult to see with the naked eye. And um, some potential symptoms uh, can be, you know, malabsorption of eating things that you're having issues with digesting, uh, chronic acid suppression, uh, you know, that sort of stuff um, from protein pump inhibitors can be a predisposition uh, factor. And an increase of blood pressure can also be a symptom. So, um, you know, when you have those things going on, you can probably guess that you have had some exposure to this, um, depression, anxiety, migraines, headaches, skin issues, uh, etc. fatigue, um, all those things could be some potential, um, symptoms of that, uh, fibromyalgia, slow muscle recovery. You can have some lung issues. They, the larvae tend to ascend to the lungs and can cause a lot of like respiratory issues difficulty breathing, um, 
the female strongoloides travel from the skin. So typically you could get this from walking barefoot anywhere and uh, goes to the lungs first and then the gastrointestinal tract of its hosts. Um, and females are capable of reproducing without males. And um, they start in the lungs and then travel to the GI tract, but they could make their way to really any organ. And some studies have been found that it plays a big role in neurological disorders, specifically people who had MS. So this study looked specifically into patients who had passed away with MS and saw the connection of strongoloides impacting impacting it. So obviously, um, blood tests really can't show um, whether or not you have this. I think that seeing persistent uh eosophilia uh, high could be you know something that you could look into which was the marker that I had high in my blood work but really looking at your history and you know your clinical judgment of like looking at your symptoms can really impact it so the full moon kit that I um, am using is the best product for that it's going to address it at the larvae stage and all the way through it and fully eradicate it so it's something um that will be addressed. Uh, so, um, the other one I wanted to talk about is, and you guys forgive me if I'm butchering the way these are called, uh, acanthamoeba and they have the ability to survive in really diverse environments. Um, uh, you know, water, air ducts, vegetables, contact lenses, surgical instruments, all that sort of stuff um, can can house them. And uh, they've been recovered from hospital dialysis unit, eye wash stations, nasal cavities, um, lung tissue, skin lesions, cerebral fluid, basically all that. And um, healthy individuals actually have antibodies to them um, in some of the studies that that have come out. So, um, I have a study that I'm going to link there, um, of the various ways that a parasite like this can enter you, including indirect transmission through insects, surfaces like towels, contact lenses, etc. And they can survive in everyday environments. Um, so they are, really a bacterial reservoir and they act like that and um they they hold bacteria um like h pylori and you know if you've you've got a situation where you have chronic h pylori or candida and you've done a lot of great protocols and it hasn't moved the needle um it's time to address parasites because this could be a root cause of reoccurring infection and they kind of act like a trojan horse because um they hold on to different bacteria and once bacteria invade the host through like your nasal mucosa, your lungs, etc., uh, this microbe will, uh, this parasite will act as a Trojan horse and, um, hide inside of it. And, uh, it's kind of crazy that it can do this even when we are not aware that these things can be in there. So, why do we have these parasites and why can our bodies just keep them at bay? Um, you know, I already mentioned the high toxic load we're exposed to. 
We've got a toxicity crisis in the world. We've got it coming through the air we breathe, the food we eat, the water we drink, the things we're putting in our bodies, etc. Um, and they all, all those toxi- toxins, including heavy metals, suppress our immune system, making it more difficult for the, the body to get rid of these parasites. And they use various ta- tactics to evade and manipulate your immune system. So single-celled parasites can change the proteins on their surfaces so your immune cells don't recognize them. And some parasites alter their form and change into a protective cyst to evade your immune system. So they're really sneaky, you guys. They're not just going to be like very obvious that that they're there or, you know, um, the body really can't get rid of them on its own. So we have to help it along. So how do we do that? What's the best way to go about addressing these critters? Number one is addressing their primary food source, which is going to be sugar. So, you know, if you can reduce some of those main sources of sugar, um, this is a tough one for your kids when they're full of parasites and all they want is sugar. But, you know, anything that's really going to be loaded with sugar should be kind of reduced. Um, jams, you know, oatmeal that's flavored, flavored yogurt, uh, muffins, bagels, fruit juices, dried fruit cereals. All these things can be kind of um, just food sources for parasites, um, including gut bacteria and mold. They also love to feed off of sugar. And, um, you know, you can imagine that when you begin to try to clean up the terrain of the gut, I think that they get mad a little bit and it can stir up some symptoms or cravings, especially when you just remove their fuel source, they're going to be pissed and they're going to send signals to your brain saying that you need sugar. Um, but doing your best to kind of ride it out and, um, you know, try to avoid it as much as possible. Your blood sugar will begin to stabilize and then it will, you know, begin to make them want to leave the host because they're not getting what they need anymore. So removing the parasites primary food source is part one. But the next thing to do is to open the drainage pathway. So I've mentioned this quite a few times. Just diving into trying to kill off parasites without opening the drainage pathways is going to cause major problems for you because you can put things in that are going to kill parasites off, but if you're not eliminating well, like pooping two to three times a day, your bile isn't flowing well from your liver, uh, you have any sort of lymph stagnant issues or just like an overall stagnicity, you're going to have trouble eliminating them from your body and they're going to cause... Herx sort of detox symptoms and probably get reabsorbed in the body and, you know, re- start releasing all the things that they hold, the mold, the heavy metals, etc., just making you feel really crappy. So addressing drainage is like the number one thing to do. And you can think of drainage like a funnel. At the bottom of the funnel is your colon. So that's like your gut pooping and eliminating through poop. Obviously, your liver and your bile ducts are going to be next on there, making sure that it's moving through toxins and pushing them out. Your lymph system is another, uh, you know, part of the drainage funnel, your organs and your tissues, and then your cells, your mitochondria. But you kind of have to address it from the bottom up. Um, So I am going to be uh, offering my liver cleansing program uh, for a small fee, Um, as an option for you guys, if you want to really figure out drainage, because drainage is more than just taking supplements. You really need to implement other modalities to really get your body into a position where it's draining. And honestly, you should be doing this for minimum 30 days before you attempt any sort of parasite pathogen killing protocol. Um, 
and you know you you really should address this first so attempting to do it without is really just going to make it longer and make it more difficult for you. So addressing drainage pathways are first. And after you have those drainage pathways open, and there's kind of a checklist that I'm including in there for you to kind of go over to see if any of those symptoms of things are still around is a sign that you still need to do some drainage work. And I know we want to rush like we're such a rushing culture of like, okay, I just want to kill them. I just want to get them out. But the faster you rush into the parasite portion without really addressing drainage, the harder it's going to be and the more likely you're going to have to go back and address drainage after once you start trying to kill them out. So I would say the longer time you can spend on this, the better. And, you know, I know all this stuff is expensive and you're like, oh my gosh, how many more things do I have to buy? How much more stuff do I have to do? But I would say that, you know, when you're starting to get into this, you're really starting to address really your overall holistic health and it's all going to benefit you. Like opening your drainage pathways is a benefit for everything, not just parasites. And you can pass stuff even in that period of time. That's when all the liver flukes came out. So I'm going to include my protocol that I did for the liver flukes, everything I've done to kind of just support my liver through this process of repairing it and moving them out um, in that little uh, course for you guys. So I'm going to have that link in the show notes if you'd like to do that. But addressing drainage is number one. And then you can start to address the parasites. Um, And you could start with like just the basics of a full moon cleanse and just doing it for three days is probably the best way and really starting slow. Um, You know, you don't want to overdo and do too, too much too fast. And um, after you address the parasites, you, you know, how long do you need to do that for? I mean, it really is individual uh, how many you have and some people can be on these protocols for like 10 months and be passing parasites the whole time so um it really is individual and um you know i i wouldn't look at it as like a one and done situation that parasites are really everywhere and you know just because you cleanse yourself from them once doesn't mean they're going to stop coming and they have a full like life cycle within the human body so the eggs that they've laid may have a chance for reinfection so i think monthly or quarterly full moon cleanses could be really beneficial for a few months um to kind of just really get that done and then you know you can do them every few months um while you're you know, after you've done it. And, you know, obviously if you're pregnant or breastfeeding, this is going to be complicated. So um, you can't really do pathogen work during that time. Some of the stuff you can do, but not really. So I would try to do as much of it as possible before trying to conceive, because honestly, you're going to have another parasite in there (laughs) needing 10 pounds of your minerals and everything else in your body. So the more you can address it before Um, the better. So um, after that, you really need to address kind of those root cause issues of the heavy metals and um, mold, lime, etc. and work through those things because or else the environment will still be hospitable for parasites and, you know, they'll probably make their way back. So it's kind of like a threefold process of opening the drainage pathways, eliminating eliminating then the, the parasites, which you can do every month for a long period of time, over time. And then as your body's feeling stronger, you can start adding in things to move out heavy metals. And, you know, once you know that you're in like a, a clear form of really having those energy pathways open, and of course, supporting minerals the whole time. I talk a little bit about heavy metal detox and balance, and I am going to do a class on parasites 
in balanced and give some information on protocols there. Um, it's just too much to do into the liver section, but I still think the liver one is the best one to start with because it's going to help you really open those drainage pathways and, and move out those liver flukes. Um, so it's an easy way just to kind of get a lot of information. I give a lot of info in there, a lot of links to different things and modalities that I use. So I encourage you to, to check it out. But to answer the big question, are parasites something that you should be concerned about? Absolutely yes, um, especially if you are not feeling good, you've got chronic health issues you can't solve. Why the heck not would you not try this? Because honestly, the best thing to do is open those drainage pathways and watch what comes out. And you are going to have to sit there and use a chopstick and check out your stool. But if you start seeing stuff, then you know that it's in there. And sometimes you can be grossed out like, what the heck? I didn't even know this was here the whole time. But honestly, you should feel so good that you're getting it out and removing it. And um, then you can address further things down the line. So... That's all I have for you guys today. I'm going to put a bunch of studies in the show notes for you guys to kind of look over to get more information on these things and why you should be concerned about them. Information on how to purchase the liver cleanse um, for a small fee of $67. And uh, in that, you're going to have different things to do. I'm going to talk about meals. I'm going to talk about minerals, support during liver cleansing. I'm going to talk about uh, movement. And I'm going to talk about your mindset and do a liver clearing call for you to kind of help remove anger and any stagnation that could be in the liver as well. So those are all going to be in that little mini course along with the protocol I use to push out the liver flukes and um, some other supplemental things I did to support my liver and then of course all the drainage pathway opening tools and modalities so that's going to be there for you and then balanced is always an option if you want to get more information on minerals heavy metals um, all those things I'm going to do a parasite class in there as well if you have issues with any of those things this is a great course to really educate yourself on how to become your best health advocate I also give you information there how to order your own HTMA test so that you can be in charge of that, have it available to you at a fraction of the cost of what it is to work with someone, um, you know, in, in the long-term program. So um, I really just kind of want to give you guys opportunities and tools to be able to educate yourself and be your own health advocate. So that's all for today. I'm excited. We're going to have a guest expert next week on the cl- on the sorry, on the podcast, um, we're going to talk about healing your relationship with your parents and childhood wounding. We all know that ACEs, adverse childhood events, play into chronic disease. And the more of them you have, the more likely you're going to have autoimmune disorders and disease. So we're going to talk with an expert who I personally worked with that helped change my relationship with my parents. I'm really excited to introduce her to you. And you might not think you need this, but you might be surprised at how much it can impact your physical health and your ability to have healthy relationships. So I look forward to sharing with you next Wednesday. I will see you then. Bye-bye.